the Industrial Security Podcast with Andrew Ginter and Nate Nelson. Sponsored by Waterfall Security Solutions. Welcome to the Industrial Security Podcast. I'm Nate Nelson, here with Andrew Ginter, Vice President of Industrial Security at Waterfall Security Solutions. I'm going to give it to him. He's going to introduce our guest for today. Andrew? Thanks, Nate. Hello, everyone. Our guest for today is Professor Art Conklin. He is the director of the Center for Information Security Research and Education at the University of Houston. And he is a, uh, a longtime specialist in industrial control system cybersecurity. Then without further ado, Art Conklin. The subject of today's episode, the convergence of OT with IT security. Art, my first question to you. In industry, we see a lot of integration of OT and IT security teams into a single team with corporate-wide responsibilities. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it is a thing. It's happening, and it's happening across many different industries. It's being driven by management. So if you look at it from a management perspective, it's a good thing. They have less senior people managing wider swaths, and you're combining two different types of security functions under a common eventual reporting structure at the very top. But it's also potentially very bad because operationally, from an operational perspective, these two systems are completely different. They have different security objectives, and because these different objectives the OT security team operates completely differently than an IT security team. So, Andrew, I asked this of Art. Now I ask it of you. Uh, is IT-OT integration a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's not so much that it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a thing that's happening. I mean, the, the Gartner Group coined the phrase back in, I think it was 95 or so. And back then, this was over 20 years ago, they observed that even back then, increasingly, uh, industrial control systems were using the same technology as IT systems, the same computers. I mean, back then, you know, this was the day of Solaris Sparks and HPUX, uh, PA Risk. There were, you know, there was a lot of CPUs in play. Nowadays, I'm sorry, it's all Intel or maybe AMD. It's the same hardware. It's the same operating systems. It's a lot of the same platform software, the same databases, the same applications. And so when there's all of this technology uh, congruence coming, the, the Gartner Group observed that it makes sense to have the people who are managing all of this do it the same way. So they suggested integrating the people because the skill sets are the same, integrating the business processes, the purchasing processes. If we have a corporate license for Oracle, why does it make sense to buy a SQL server when we need a relational database in the plant? And so they observed that it you know, because the technology was conserving, uh, sorry, converging, it makes sense to converge the people as well. It, it was very controversial in the day, but, you know, they have been proven right. It is happening a lot. I see. The next question I asked Art was about response protocols, how all of this fits into that picture. Uh, let's hear what he had to say. You mentioned that IT and OT systems are fundamentally different. How does this affect each of their respective security response protocols? Oh, it matters a ton. Uh, the first and foremost, the most important thing to understand is uh, in the world of operational technology, 
that's SCADA, that's any cyber physical system, it's places where computers are controlling actual equipment. Your number one problem there is, is that your operational technology, your IT function, so to speak, is part of that process. It's not ancillary. It is part of the running process. If it stops working, the process can stop working. If it goes awry, the process can go awry. And so we've seen mega disasters because of this, pipeline explosions, things like that, solely because, oops, the IT function didn't quite work as planned. The other aspect about how they're different is different protocols. The OT operates under a completely different set of protocols than the IT function. And with those protocols come things inherent to the protocols. They operate with different architectures. Why different architectures? Because they have different security objectives. And I think this is the biggest, is OT3 has one set of things they're trying to achieve, while IT has a completely different set. So that sounds like a lot of differences. I thought the whole point here was that there were commonalities that we could take advantage of. Well, it is a lot of differences, but if you think about the differences that Art was pointing out, he's pointing out out differences in priorities. He's talking about differences in objectives. He's talking about different architectures, which is different ways of arranging the same technology. He's not talking about technology differences. The Gartner Group pointed out that, you know, ITOT integration is coming because the technology is the same. The, you know, I think the, the lesson here, this is the lesson of, of any organization doing ITOT integration. We have to deal with these differences in order to reap the benefits of commonizing the, uh, the technology. And Art expanded on what he was talking about. Let's uh, return to him. Can you speak more to the differences in security objectives with OT and IT? Oh, sure. IT security objectives, I think pretty much everybody in the world by this point is used to what they are. It's built around the concept of CIA, confidentiality, integrity, and availability of your data. It's really built around the movement of data, what moves the data, what the, you know, things about the data. In the operational technology world, it's a completely different aspect. They define something as being secure if it's running in a safe and optimal manner. Is the process doing what the process is supposed to be doing safely? And that safety factor is something that's completely separate from an IT world. Joke, nobody died from missing an email. Although, I mean, okay, maybe you didn't get the email, you didn't get the job you wanted, so you jumped out your window. It's a little different than if your IT signal, your email showed up two milliseconds late, so your pipeline explodes. In the OT world, because the operational technology is an integrated part of the physical system, when it goes down, your physical system can go down. When it goes wrong, your physical system can go wrong. And we've got lots of documentation of things where because of a signaling function on the operational technology network, error, things get broken, things get damaged, you can hurt people, you can hurt revenue, you can end up with fines, the environment can be damaged. Depends on the system you're running, but the scope of what can go wrong, way wider, hence the need for safe and proper operations. It seems we have a a few balls in the air. Andrew, could you sort of condense this question? What is the essential point that that Art is making? 
Well, Art is talking here about about priorities and about consequences. When somebody steals, you know, my personal information, the consequences are they might impersonate me, they might steal money from me. There are business consequences to IT breaches. Um, the uh, what Art's talking about is physical consequences. And so the priorities, the priority at every industrial site I've ever visited is safety first. You go there, the first thing you do is take the safety training before you're allowed to set foot in the site. And, you know, Art points out the, the, the classic IT sec um, priority is protect the information. Um, the priority at industrial sites is protect the physical operation from the information. All cyber attacks are information. We don't need to protect the information at industrial sites. We need to protect physical operations, physical safety, physical continuity and reliability and quality of output from attacks that might be embedded in the information. Different priorities. Now let's move on from this discussion. The next thing I asked Art about was uh, architecture. Let's hear what he has to say. Now that you've spoken to the differences in architectures between OT and IT, what are the main differences and why do they matter? Again, I think it's best to start with the architecture most people know and understand and I could say love or they may not. And that's the IT architecture where everything literally is connected to everything. The beauty of Internet Protocol is it sorts out all your traffic. It puts the right conversations to the right machines to the right ports. And you don't have to do anything. Networking folks love large flat networks because the fewer interruptions to the network, the easier their job is to keep all the bits flowing. And so at the end of the day, your networking team and IT tries to get every machine connected to every machine and let the Internet protocol sort it all out. They're not a fan of segmentation. They're not a fan of firewalls or excessive numbers of any of these things, simply put, because they just want everything to talk to everything. In the operational technology world, it's the exact opposite case. We don't want everything to talk to everything. The operational technology world is built around a real-time communication system that's part of the process. And so timing is a critical element. Timing was planned when the system was designed and built. So we don't want outside traffic. We only want to connect the speakers that need to talk to the devices that need to listen. And all those conversations were defined when the system was designed and built. And so had a very limited communications, specifically between certain pieces of equipment for certain purposes, use their protocols. This has led to a completely different architecture. Rather than being a big flat architecture, it leads to highly segmented architectures. It keeps conversations in their own little network segments. This led to something called the Purdue Network Architecture. And that network architecture has become a major part of the security solution. And remember, security here is being defined as keeping the system running safely and within the proper realm of operations. And so in the case of OT, the highly segmented network is part of what makes the system operate and run. And this has really large ramifications when it comes to how normal security operations are performed on a system. 
personally, I think that segmentation is always one of the most interesting aspects of any of these discussions. It is. And it's, in a sense, it's intrinsic to industrial control systems. Um, you know, segmentation is, is a big deal. You look at the, uh, the very first industrial cybersecurity standard that came out, uh, that I'm familiar with, uh, the 2007 IEC 62443 1 1. Back then it was ISASP 99. It spends something like 20% of the, the, the first standard talking about zones and conduits, which is their terminology for segmentation. And I think Art's observation here is that, you know, segmentation is naturally part of control systems. It's the principle of protecting components from accidental outside interference, protecting sensitive equipment from accidental interference. This is an older uh, principle than protecting that equipment from deliberate outside interference. But in both cases, it's talking about protecting from the outside. Right. And it's it's so interesting hearing about this sort of subject from different guests of our show. Um, the next subject that I uh, wanted to build on with Art was about uh, IIoT, something that's come up previously on the show and has different implications on that question of segmentation. Here it is. So you've touched on a fundamental difference between OT and IT paradigms. Uh, that is, IT tends to be diffuse and very interconnected, whereas OT is very uh, segmented, that separate industries are separated from one another. You've spoken to a fundamental difference in paradigm between IT and OT, that the former tends to be diffuse and interconnected, and the latter quite segmented. Now, previously on this show, we've had some guests speak to the integration of IIoT technology, that is, industrial Internet of Things, that would presumably further connect industrial systems. Have you heard about this? What are your views on it? Is this a good thing or potentially dangerous? Well, I think the most important thing to remember are just because I suddenly call it the industrial Internet of Things, that it doesn't change. There was a purpose. You put something in place. I'm not connecting things just because I can. I'm connecting things because I need to for specific purposes. And so as long as you remember those aspects and you make the connections between all these different devices because these are purposeful as part of my solution, then it makes sense and it works. If I just do it that, hey, my, my refrigerator home can connect to my neighbor's refrigerator and it could also connect to the local Best Buy store, you know, anybody that's out there could connect to the refrigerator just because those that does not make sense. And that's where we run awry of assuming no one will connect to me just because I'm there. So the way Art describes it, it, it seems quite obvious and sensible what he's saying. Um, but we're talking about connecting devices and refrigerators. Um, Andrew, I, I'm curious, what exactly, what types of devices are we talking about here? Are we still talking about uh, operational devices or are we talking about IT now? Well, I think we're talking about operational devices. The IIoT is still in its infancy. A lot of people are talking about it, but there's not that many people deploying stuff. Uh, the classic uh, application, the IIoT application that everyone talks about is predictive maintenance, predicting when equipment needs to be maintained so that it doesn't just fail 
and you know shut us down unexpectedly. Uh, so, for example, a new kind of IIoT application I saw a little while ago was um, monitoring engine oil quality on big diesel engines. You might have these big diesel engines driving compressors or pumps in uh, you know oil and, and gas pipelines. Um, you might imagine. I mean, let's say let's say we put the 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 IIoT. Let's say we put the IIoT sensors on these diesel engines. They need, to Art's point, they need to be connected to through the internet to the vendor who's the expert on these engines, who's going to uh, monitor the engines and give us advice as to when we should schedule maintenance for them. So that that's a connection that that's a connection that's needed. Um, if we look at it and say, well, these engines are part of the control system. How about I connect the sensors on the engines to the control system and through the control system to the IT network and then straight out to the internet? That's not a connection that's needed. We need to connect these sensors to the internet. It may be convenient to connect the sensors to the IT network to get out to the internet. We don't need to connect these sensors to the control network and introduce a new attack pathway from the internet through the sensor into our control systems. So then can this question be seen as a, a risk management problem? Because connecting uh, oil diesel trucks uh, seems like a low risk situation, whereas uh, what you just said, uh, it seems like what we're talking about here is trying to connect things that uh, should they be vulnerable, uh, wouldn't harm uh, essential systems. I phrase that poorly, but but you get the point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, art, arts. I take art's point, which is we don't connect things because we can. We don't connect things because it's convenient to do so. We connect things because we need to do so, and uh, you know that's that's a a major principle of of controlling the uh, the number of paths that we have to attack our critical systems. And we need to come back to art's interview. Fair. Uh, then let's do that. In what ways does the integration of OT and IT teams go wrong, typically? Well, there, there are many, many different ways that things can go wrong. But when we go look at the fact that T and OT are completely different and how they're built out, how to run, the number one issue is when an IT person that's doing a security function assumes that this OT system works just like his IT system. So... When the IT security person set a box on the OT and wonders, why is it not authenticating to me? Well, it never will because there's very limited authentication systems built into some of the equipment. And so authentication is not a total response used between boxes. You know, if the IT security person that's now working on OT circuit decides, why is it encrypted? Well, find that, guess what? Again, Encryption is something we just don't do in T-network space because limited communication between different pieces of equipment typically does support that. The number one thing to look at is what did IT look like 30 years ago, 20 years ago? That's what OT typically looks like because a lot of the equipment in OT is a lot older than IT. It doesn't have a three-year equipment refresh cycle. It has a 30-year equipment refresh in some cases. And so when you have a piece of equipment that's running for that long, you can't say that, oh, current state-of-the-art says we're going to do X because current state-of-the-art 
you're looking at a piece of equipment that was installed in 2001 and it's just now reaching midlife. And so this is a huge problem where people just make that mistake and thinking, well, we'll just patch it. We don't do patching in OT. We will, but only when the system itself is turned off. How do I hash something to verify my piece of data, my code, whatever is correct? Well, we do hash checks all the time when updating things and looking at files in IT. Those very functions don't exist in the OT world. So that's your first mistake. Um, just assuming that, hey, it's a white box. It works just like everyone I've ever seen. The second, and it's related to this, is when a security person treats an OT element like it's an ancillary support process, like it's an email server, it's a web server. There's obviously other servers that will take over its capabilities if I slow it down for some reason or have to go take it offline or reboot something. And in this case, consider it sort of like you're driving down the highway and you decide to make these sort of changes in your car while it's running. You know, you're going to reconsider completely doing an engine overhaul or, hey, I'm going to do something that's going to turn off the engine while I'm driving down the highway. But yet in the OT world, when the process is run, the IT components, the OT piece that looks like IT is a functioning part of, in essence, that car going down the highway. And so... That little oops, oh, I had to reboot a computer? That's I had to reboot your plant. I had to reboot your traffic signal. I had to reboot your pipeline. Oh, your airline engine that's running on the side of your airline right now at 33,000 feet. Yeah, I was getting some security data, and, well, we just rebooted it. So the places these go wrong resolve around assumptions of, I think I understand your system without any clue of the complete system. And so that's one of the big hurdles on trying to join these two teams together. So, Nate, this is classic. Um, you know, the IT guy on night shift logs in to the plant to apply the new IT security policy. All computers company-wide will be rebooted at 2 in the morning and the latest security updates applied. So he presses the buttons and the whole plant shuts down. It would be funny if it didn't cost so much. You know, the simplest IT class changes can impair operations. You know, you hear these these examples. Um, the IT guy logs in and says, new policy, antivirus everywhere. Fine, he puts antivirus everywhere. It runs a scan at 2 in the morning and impairs the operation of the process historian. The historian has to gather values from the process second by second and record them. If you take it down for 20 minutes because you're scanning the hard drive and the historian kind of really can't do anything in that time because all of the uh, the, the disk I.O. bandwidth is being taken up by the antivirus scan, you lose the batch record. In some industries, this is a very big deal. In pharmaceuticals, if you lose the batch record, if there's a hole in your batch record, you cannot sell the product. You have to throw it away. You know, I was working with a, a pharma plant once. Their batches took three months. It was a you know a, a very high tech uh, uh, plant. Their batches took three months to produce one batch of stuff. Each batch of stuff was worth a quarter billion dollars, two hundred and fifty million dollars. So, yeah, 
and those are the you know a plant shutdown is the simplest consequence as art points out there can be much more serious consequences for different kinds of malfunction all right let's get back to art i think you've hit on something that that feels like a sort of theme of this podcast um which is trying to integrate modern solutions modern emerging tech it tech with older aging ot infrastructure um, what are the right ways of doing this? How do we solve this problem? Well, I think there's um, an opportunity for a lot of cross-pollination, so to speak. For instance, if you ask an IT security person for a list of IP addresses that your equipment should never talk to, you know, my, my web server or my clients or things like that should never go to these IP addresses, any security team worth their salt will have a mechanism and there's a wide variety of different ones that'll say, hey, we don't go to these sites. The key addresses, nope, 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 just nope. That concept should apply to the OD as well. Should anything from one of these banned sites try to connect? And there are external connections to OT networks essential. So there are aspects of IT security that could really, really help the OT people. They're not necessarily up to date on this and greatest of how some of those happen. Likewise, things like we're going to have a third party connect in. Part of the contract is they have to maintain some of our equipment. So how are they going to connect in? There's been a lot of advances between VPNs, remote desktop, jump hosts that are well understood and well managed in the IT world. And again, the OT people can benefit from that. How to structure the extra connectivity to achieve those things there are places where the IT people can bring significant capability to the OT team. Okay, so here finally are, are the benefits of cross-pollination, right? That's right. We've talked a lot about how OT is different, OT is special, but IT does have uh, knowledge and skills and experience and even technology to, to bring to play. The, the, the sort of cliche is that what IT has to learn is that you can't put antivirus and security updates everywhere. Some of the OT systems are special. What OT has to learn is that not all of their systems are special. And we really should put antivirus and updates almost everywhere. And in particular, to Art's point, any equipment that interacts with the outside world, that gear is almost certainly not critical. Almost all industrial control systems are designed to run indefinitely, correctly, without any input from the outside world. And so if we have you know, equipment at the interface to the outside world, it's to serve a business function. It's the interface to the, the more dangerous internet-exposed networks. Those systems should be secured fully to IT standards. And we can do so safely because the control system is designed not to depend on those systems if they go down because you know the update doesn't work and they they need to be you know reloaded for a day with another you know with a backup of the operating system that's fine the plant keeps working and my final question for art was about general takeaways uh here it is art is there anything we've yet left on the table or do you have any major takeaways from our discussion well, there are a couple takeaways. I think, first of all, we have to realize that 
integration convergence is going to happen to this team whether you resist it, want it, don't want it. It's a business function. From a management perspective, it actually makes senior management more focused on the things that need to happen. There's some streamlining. Having two different security functions going all the way to the board of directors just would not make sense. From a worker training perspective, as we already talked about, there is some advantages that IT security has through their tactics, techniques, and procedures that can be adapted and you know brought into the OT world to improve OT. It also helps with the training bench. The more workers, it's hard to find OT security people. It's hard to find IT security people. So when you start getting them, the more you can cross-train them and help build a better cross-functional team, the more ability you're going to have in times of crisis or times of problems. So there's a lot of good that can come from smart integration. And what I'm going to say is the key is that smart integration, it's not a takeover. It's not like, well, our IT security team has 85 people and your OT security team has eight. Therefore, we're 10 times more important than you. And we're going to just, you're going to do it our way now. Well, suddenly you realize that you would never have 85 IT security people in your physical processes running them. Your operations department would say like, no, 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 no. And I joke because teams that don't do this smartly, it's the easiest way to get an opening for a chief security officer is to have an unsmart integration and you shut down the revenue generation of your company or you cause a major disaster because your IT team did not understand what they were doing and they broke OT. And that's what happens when you forget why we had OT security. It's been around since the beginning. It's not something new. The OT people have always cared about the safety and the proper operation of their plant. And as long as you never lose sight on that, you don't have a problem. When you lose sight, well, somebody has to be fired, and it usually goes pretty high up the food chain, like the CSOs told, thank you. So I would say that there's some serious takeaways. It's going to happen. It could make life better if it happens in a smart way. Um, but you really, really have to pay attention to the pitfalls, because a pitfall here is much more expensive. Oh, I lost a server. This makes a lot of sense to me. So it's not that you have to integrate or you have to integrate in a certain way. It's that you have to be smart about integrating and take the good and consider the possible bad um, and that companies can benefit not just by doing these things, but by really thinking them through, right? That's right. And, and a lot of organizations have been going down this road for over 20 years now. Um, and, you know, some started sooner, some started later. What we observe in the most mature organizations is that the IT and OT functions are cooperating very closely, whether they're one group or separate groups is, is irrelevant. They're working very closely together. They're using the same business processes um, and they have a healthy respect for each other. Each of them understands the domains where they need to call on the other's expertise to, you know, to produce the best result for the business. And of course, others are still working this out. So, um, you know, back in back in the day, the Gartner Group predicted that within 20 years, 
something like, I think it was 70% of industrial businesses would have merged their IT and OT teams. That was 20 years ago. Um, they were mostly right. The The process is complete at some businesses and is still in progress at others. Okay, that'll be all today. Uh, thank you to Art Conklin for speaking with me. Thank you, Andrew, for speaking with us. Always a pleasure, Nate. Until next time, this has been the Industrial Security Podcast. I'm Nate Nelson. Thanks for listening.